one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Tamara Thomas, editor-in-chief of urbanhealthtoday.com, part of the Dockwire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas and welcome to Urban Health Weekly where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. So I'm reunited and it feels so good with Jackie and Lou. How are you guys? Hey guys, excellent over here. Right over here, full of knowledge as always. (laughs) And proud of it. Proud of it. It's been too long. I miss yeah, you guys. I also <laughs> my modesty home this morning. So it sounds all right now. <laughs> Today we're we're finally going to talk about uh, how a plant based diet can be unhealthy. But before that, you know, I wanted to talk, if we can, about gut health and colonoscopy. Now, have you seen the the uh, story? Well, it wasn't a story, but have you seen the latest? Um, it's a study that was done. I, I'm questioning the study, but it was a study that was done, I think, in Scandinavia, um, where they invited people for uh, colonoscopies. And the, basically, the outcome of the, the study was that colonoscopies may not be necessary. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, I did see that. And um, I also saw that that really sent up a big alarm among people in this country and doctors in this country that that is is a very misleading study. Yeah, I didn't really quite understand the study. Uh, Did they so they invited people about 40 something, 42 percent of the people who they invited decided to do them. I mean, what was the outcome that they did? They tested like I don't understand how they came to the conclusion that it may not be necessary. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. It seems like a strange reading of the data. Yeah. Like, did they, did they have everyone do like Cologuard or fit and, and everyone's results were clean? I don't like, I don't understand how they came to the conclusion that anyway, that was, that's the, the buzz right now. So I wanted us to talk about that. Okay. But first, Let's talk about how sugar disrupts the microbiome and eliminates protection against obesity and diabetes. A study of mice found that dietary sugar alters the gut microbiome, setting off a chain of events that leads to metabolic disease, prediabetes, and weight gain. The findings published recently in Cell suggest that diet matters but an optimal microbiome is equally important for the prevention of metabolic syndrome, diabetes, and obesity. A Western-style, high-fat, high-sugar diet can lead to obesity, metabolic syndrome, and diabetes, but how the diet kickstarts unhealthy changes in the body is unknown. The gut microbiome is indispensable for an animal's nutrition. Evald Yo Ivanov, PhD, Associate Professor of Microbiology, and immunology at Columbia University Vagelos College of Physicians and Surgeons and his colleagues investigated the initial effects of the Western-style diet on the microbiome of mice. After four weeks on the diet, the animals showed characteristics of metabolic syndrome such as weight gain, insulin resistance, and glucose intolerance. And their microbiomes had changed dramatically with the amount of segmented filamentous bacteria common in the gut microbiota of rodents, fish, and chickens, falling sharply and other bacteria increasing in abundance. The reduction of filamentous bacteria, the researchers found, was critical to the animal's health and its effect on the Th17 immune cell. The drop in filamentous bacteria reduced the number of Th17 cells in the gut 
and further experiments reveal that it's the TH17 cells that are necessary to prevent metabolic disease, diabetes, and weight gain. That's huge. In other words, fat is not the culprit in poor health. It's always been sugar. Remember, uh, I think this was in the 60s or 70s. It was in the 60s when the sugar industry paid uh, scientists and researchers to say that the the blame for heart disease. and Yes, (laughs) they did the old gaslighting distraction move. Exactly. And downplay the effects of sugar. Yes. Now it's only now we're really starting to see, you know, just how deleterious sugar is, but it's too late as the crime. They've already made the money and changed our microbiome. Anyway, Mm. what what do you guys think about this? Have you guys ever heard of the TH17 immune cells before? I'd never heard of them. I never heard of them. This is huge. That is huge. So I should put away my Skittles snacking. Yeah. <laughs> you may want pork to. rinds instead. I mean, whatever. You may want to. And also, can you, if you've damaged them, can you recover them? Like, I'm curious to know. Also, I just want to say, it seems to me that some people maybe are more prone to, are more like sensitive, or maybe their immune cells are more sensitive in some people than others. Like, I remember my ex could eat a super processed diet and- he didn't, I, when I started eating the same diet as he did, I just got ill right away and blew up, et cetera, et cetera. Like that guy could kind of seem to be okay with it for a while. You know, like, I just feel That's like, yeah, I want, you know, I, I felt like my biome was more sensitive or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I, for a long time, um, and a lot of this was work related because I, I really didn't have places to eat healthy or healthy. Ah. And, um, you know, I would just eat any old thing. And once, and I never really had an issue with it. Uh-huh. I started eating healthy and then went back to some of that crap that I would eat before. I did have an issue with it. I, I, I don't know, maybe your body just adjusts to, to crap or crud or you don't. It adapts down. Or you don't realize that you're feeling bad until you're feeling good. Ah, like sometimes you just, oh, that makes sense. You know, yeah. you just say, well, my normal is I feel like X and then yeah, when, you're out of touch with what you feel, good like feels. Y, which is a lot better. And then you go back to X and say, I feel bad all of a sudden. And that's kind of what happened to me once I started, once better, better places opened up. And, and actually once I, I was at a different income level, um, some of it to me was income related too. I mean, you know, when you're working and you're working stiff, you know, can you afford the $5 lunch or can you afford the $10 lunch? That's kind yes. of when I was eating the $5 lunch, I was eating crap. You're eating the super processed foods. Right. But then when I can't afford a personal salad, all of a sudden I started eating that and I started feeling a lot better. You're getting a little bit of fiber with the yeah, it was just a, a better diet. Then when I went back to that $5 lunch, whenever I did, it was like, oh my God, I'm yeah. going to die. How can I eat this? You know, TH17 cells play a role in host defense against extracellular pathogens, particularly at the mucosal and epithelial barriers. That's, uh, that's according to um, NIH. Oh, but aberrant activation has been linked to the pathogenesis of various autoimmune diseases. Oh. That's from from a site called uh, Thermo Fisher. So anyway, I just wanted to look that up and- um, Well, this is like really exciting stuff. I mean, I'm a little bit scared, but it's really, I'm, you know, this this is huge. Explain that to me to the lay person. What, What does that mean? Okay, so basically the TH17 cells uh, help protect the help protect the epithelial means skin. Right. Um, helps protect the lining, the gut lining, mm-hmm. and the, you know your 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 intestine is lined with with like a you know kind of a mucus film, and uh, that's what helps keep it kind of thick and helps everything move through it and stuff like that. Um, but aberrant activation, such as sugar disrupting your microbiome. Um, they say it has been linked to pathogenesis. That means that basically it's linked to disease causing that triggers autoimmune diseases. 
So what's happening? That's interesting because celiac celiac is when your intestinal villi get flattened, right? Due to autoimmunity, right? So that's all part of that like endothelial cell and that same layer. That's really interesting. Exactly. So that's why they they call the gut the other brain and all of this other stuff. And I, you know, people who this is you know people should really start looking at this for like long COVID and, and these kinds of conditions. Oh yeah. You have to think about the, the fact that our diet here is so poor in so many ways. And that's not to say that healthy people don't get, um, I mean, probably, I don't know. I don't, I, 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 but it would be interesting to look at the diets of the people suffering from long COVID say, for example, you know, or people with, with lots of comorbidities, that means, you know, several. I, I wouldn't doubt that it, it, it gives, it like puts a hit on your biome. A lot of things, like once you start eating properly and you take a good probiotic or prebiotic and you just start, you know, like phasing out, crowding out the, the, the processed food and eating more um, foods that are closer to their original state, cutting out the, the sugar, uh, you know, and, and having um, more vegetables and fruits, natural sugars, you, that stuff starts correcting itself. You that's know, what I'm hoping that's, that would be reassuring that, that this could like. Exactly. And, and that's why this whole plant-based diet thing is so questionable, but we'll get to that later. So I, so I'm just, I would be curious, you know, if they did like a, a stool test, let's say for the people, um, with long COVID, if we took a look at their gut microbiome, the health of their, their gut, what would we see? Ooh, that's interesting. I bet you'd see changes. Right. And, and if those changes were addressed, would they start getting some relief? I'm mm. just curious. That's all. And not just long COVID, but, you know, I'm just saying, for example, because that seems to be something that that doctors just haven't really been able to tackle. But, you know, I'm a firm believer that the human body is like amazing at healing itself if you just get out of its way and give it what it needs. And also, that might be part of the reason why intermittent fasting and that kind of stuff um, works so so wonderfully, uh, because you're putting less of a strain on your digestive system and giving your body a chance to recover. Ah, yes. It's yeah. got some time to do its healing business. So CRC screening, colorectal cancer screening, pays off for people with obesity. Colorectal cancer, or CRC screening, was cost-effective in obese individuals as well as in those of normal weight and might even have a leg up at younger ages for obese men, a models, modeling study found. Having a colonoscopy every 10 years, starting at age 45, mm, see, I think that should start sooner, but okay, we'll take 45, or a fecal immunochemical test, FIT test, at age 40 was cost-effective at $100,000 per quality-adjusted life years, gained threshold across sexes and body mass index or BMI ranges. As BMI increased, the cost effectiveness of having colonoscopy every 10 years starting at age 45 versus 50 became even more favorable, reported uh, Yuri Ladabom, MDMS, of Stanford University School of Medicine in Redwood City, California, and co-author in a paper in clinical gastroenterology and hepatology. For men with advanced obesity, who are not only at the highest risk for CSRC, but also for all-cause mortality, having a colonoscopy starting at age 40 was especially valuable. Guidelines from the American Cancer Society in 2018 and the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force in 2020 lowered the endorsed CRC screening age from 50 to 45 in response to rising CRC incidence among younger people. So thoughts. Well, we are starting to get obese earlier in life. Uh, it seems like this is only going to be a trend of things to come. What is a quality, by the way, $100,000 per quality adjusted life years? 
means how many more years you can live. But so they're sort of measuring how. Yeah. It, the cost-benefit analysis financially of these okay. tests. The quality adjusted life year is a generic measure of disease burden, including ah. quality and the quantity of life lived. So in other words, how many good years you have. Not oh, just, that's big. Not just six yeah. years. How okay. many, right. So how many yeah. good years of life? Because you could have, you could live, you know, 10 more years or 20 more years and just be sick that entire time. Yeah. Or you, right. you can live... Um, you know, 10 years and have healthy years. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, well, that, that, that was a very good uh, question and observation, Jackie. Yes, thank you. Because as far as I'm concerned, you can take this study and put it in the circular file. And I'm going to tell you why. Ah. Uh, okay. <laughs> today. All right. Now. Any, anytime you start combining a study with economic data, is it worth the money or is it worth the time and all that? Forget about that. If you caught one more cancer and saved one life, forget about that economic value, that's saving a life. At the end of the day, you do save a life by having much more screening. What this study talks about is where does the economic value stop and start and all of that. To me, those studies are dangerous because what happens is a bunch of actuaries in insurance companies ah. and say, well, economically, it doesn't make sense to start this screening at 43 or 44 because that's when the dollars make sense that we take care of this and all that. Forget about that. We we need to be better than that and we need to be and we need to move beyond that. I don't like studies that put economic values on things. So right there, it's one of my prejudices. That flagged for you, huh? Yeah, to me, it's about the total life expectancy of a population. And did you increase the life expectancy of that population or the overall physical health? Well, I'm going to push back. And the reason I'm going to push back. Oh, are you speaking for the insurance company? No, I'm not speaking for the insurance company. <laughs> We're going to take a break after this. What I'm saying is, is that Sometimes you have to you have to appeal to the powers that be in different ways. So if we if the, the argument has already been made in terms of it saving lives and that hasn't worked. I remember the American Cancer Society and ASCO, um, that's the, the Society for Cancer and Oncology, they were pleading with USPSTF for years to um, lower the age to 40 for people of color because they were seeing incidences of people of color developing cancers much earlier. USPSTF basically did nothing. It's not until uh, they started seeing the cancers creeping into all of the populations that they then said, okay, we'll lower it five years to 45. So you're saying that sometimes they need an additional selling right. point and just right. to do the right thing. Exactly. And also, ultimately, at the end of the day, your insurance company is the one that's going to be making that determination, not necessarily your doctor. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So sometimes you want to make that appeal in terms of, okay, here, you're going to save this much money over the life of this, um, this person and not having to pay out for all these comorbidities and sickness by paying for this. It's paying for itself this much over this amount of time. So that's my only pushback. Like, I don't disagree with what you're saying about mm. getting actuaries involved in, in the, the, but they are there. So I think by any means necessary, you know, if, if this is, if, if this is going to get people to pay attention and say, okay, we'll start paying because we don't want you. If you have to, well, this also influence policymakers to put pressures on, put pressure on insurance companies. Mm, insurance companies have a lot of power, mm. a lot of power and a lot of leeway. I mean, some states are better at regulating than other states, mm. but at the end of the day, it's still dollars and cents. And so if you can make a dollars and cents, uh, I, why not? Yeah. So that's that's my only pushback on that. All right. All right. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And so we've 
we talked about i asked you guys at the top of the show about the yes yeah i can't remember yeah. where the, the study was done okay it was uh i can't remember it was one of the scandinavian countries yeah because they said like nordic trial so that could be yeah. any of the scandinavian countries oh oslo in norway okay, okay all right so the study that they did w was and we didn't really quite understand what the goal of the study was the terms of the study uh, I know that they invited people to to have colonoscopies and about only 42% of the people took them up on it. I'm not sure how they decided that mm -hmm. colonoscopies were not necessary. I'm, I'm just really not clear. Like I read it a couple of times and I just really wasn't clear how they came to that conclusion. It's a pretty vague study. Now, so now there's a little bit of a firestorm going on here where the U.S. is, is kind of playing defense right now. So could a new study that suggests colonoscopy is less effective than expected thwart efforts in the U.S. to get more people screened for colorectal cancer? Medical associations and physicians are weighing in on the subject, noting that they are worried that the results from the randomized Nordic trial published uh, recently in the New England Journal of Medicine are being interpreted in a way that may discourage people from undergoing screening. The study led by Michael Brethauer, MD, PhD of the University of Oslo in Norway showed that individuals invited to undergo screening colonoscopy had a reduced risk of colorectal cancer compared with those who did not go undergo screening, although at a lower rate than researchers had expected. Furthermore, they found no significant difference in colorectal cancer-related mortality between the two groups. We've all been trying to boost colorectal cancer screening, and what we don't want is to derail that effort or have our patients think that screening is not effective and forego it. Asma Sakat, MD, MPH of the NYU Grossman School of Medicine said, we should mitigate any impression that this should deter demotivate or discourage people from undergoing colorectal cancer screening. Oh my goodness. I have to agree with the US experts on this, that here we are trying to get more, you know, uptake of people doing, there's a whole campaign now going, have you seen it? It's kind of gross. It's like, you know, some butt crack and it's like cover your- I was just going to say, um, <laughs> they have that on a billboard and it's a photo of it. It says, cover your butt, get a colonoscopy. And it shows like butt crack. And uh, and it's hairy too, like clever clap. And um, and I'm thinking, you know what? That's a little bit entertaining to look at this uh, article. So, but it gets know, people's attention, and you it know, sure what, did. What it works. So here we are trying desperately to get more people to to get screened, and then you know this comes along, and and I'm worried about confirmation bias. Do you know what I mean? Where people Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, this article, it says that not only do they want to mitigate it, but this one Dr. Chang in this article with the billboard of the butt crack, mm -hmm. it says that um, colonoscopy or endoscopy remains the only screening modality that actually prevents cancer because it can include a polypectomy. So that's really exactly you know, that's the other really thing. important. Exactly. Because what they do is they remove those polyps that they find in there. But here's the, here's the thing. Even if you don't do that, even if you, even if you do uh, like some sort of screening, like let's yeah. say you don't have the camera that goes up and pulls out the right. polyps and all of this other stuff, but you know, maybe do DT colonoscopy, you do something. There are people who do absolutely nothing, you know, and we're trying to change the conversation to get more people because yes. colorectal cancer is a big deal in this country. And it's, and it's increasing and happening earlier. That's exactly. Thank you. And this is a huge problem with our food supply here in this country. And to have this derailed by something like this happening. By this kind of a distraction of a study. Yeah is is very worrisome okay i i'll throw in my um ah beware of he's gonna throw his dollar in okay. i want to hear it i want to hear it dollar. number one is beware of scandinavian studies oh. and... <laughs> he just wrote off 
a section. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in one. Um, it's first of all a very insular group. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's true. Homogeneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Two, they tend to on a whole eat much better diets than we do in the United and States. live a different lifestyle. Different lifestyle, different BMI, different realities. Yes. You know, we tend to think of everywhere. They're big on that fish oil too, let me yes. tell you. And they're pretty low stress in comparison. Yeah. I mean, There's everything's so different. You know, when you're doing a study, the more variables you have, the more little. It's a confounded study. Yeah. yeah. The more pathways it takes. One of the crazy things about doing clinical trials here in the United States is the United States is one of the few countries that's really a melting pot. You know, they, there's the old world, ah. world, and in some places, the populations have stayed pretty much stable for the last 10,000 years. Yeah. In the United States, there was indigenous people, and then we moved in this group, then we moved in slaves, then we had migrations of people from Italy, now we're having from Latin America. So we're we're having this whole melting pot, and then and the and, Middle East and, and Asia and every yeah we're newer that melting pot, poor diets because we're we're the world leader in obesity yeah and in things and of pro- that nature and overeating and ultra processed foods yeah. yes so you you throw all of that into and our reality is very different from somebody else's reality. And again, you know, when I said earlier, you know, beware of uh, financial data that may cloud a study. Uh-huh. I, I think you have to take a study with a grain of salt when you look at that population. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that population. We strive to be healthy. We strive to wear, drive a bicycle yeah. to work and all of that. Right. I but mean, they're an inherently people, healthier population. Even when it's like frozen tundra out there. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's a different, it's a different uh, reality. A different Lifestyle. Style. Yeah. A, a lot, a lot of things are different. And I'm not saying that they're different for the worse. They're different for the better. I'm just saying there's differences. Yes. And there's cultural differences all over the world. So to me, if we're going to go and talk about colon cancer, Mm-hmm. Really, what's needed is global data yeah. that puts every population. And then when you start comparing the global data, you will see why there's differences in that and say why there's risk factors. So maybe you say, okay, they the people in Scandinavia are 20% less impacted by colon cancer, but maybe they're also 20% less obese. So, yeah. and you know, that that's a supposition. That's a supposition. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's based on my observations of, of, of people coming off of planes and all of that, but it is a supposition. So that that's not a scientific fact. What is a scientific fact is that there's a lot of factors that uh, come into play when we're looking at cancer, colon cancer, you know, heavily affected by diet, in my view. So we've got to be very careful with these regional studies. Yeah. And then the other thing is people of color and low income people in particular are at really great risk for death because of lack of screening. So to have this noise come in, and this is not to discredit the study. I'm sure this is what they- It might represent that population Uh, and that local, and also it's voluntary, you know, it's, you, you, you had to go in, you had to- volunteer to go in it's a little bit different i don't know and also it's not a country full of food deserts we could add that on top right. of- <laughs> i mean there's just so many different yeah too many factors yeah yeah there's also in the united states uh what we find is a distrust of medicine yeah you know i think that's ah. a very important point there is that it's voluntary in the united states there's this whole distrust of medicine and what are you going to do with my chromosomes and what am i volunteering for and blah 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 in some other countries, it's like, yeah, let's let's volunteer, you know, because there isn't that culture. There's a strong trust of government and, and yeah. their health system. Medicine yeah. itself, you know, insurance is pretty much global over over there. Yeah, it's universal health. Did that just look like you there? I mean, you know, that's well, one well, of the things about having like a homogenous they, they speak your society. language. They, right. They, you know, they, they grew up. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. 
But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Up on the U, but there's also you know what they call universal healthcare over there. So there's only really one health system in mm-hmm. Scandinavia. Where the United States, you really have two. You have the government-funded one, where you know it's almost impossible to get an appointment. And then when you right. know when you're working and all that, you usually can afford better insurance and and you get a better system. Um, the UK has the two-tiered system, um, and I think the United States has a two or three-tiered system that, depending on your economic ability, you you get whatever system you get. Now, I might have taken more notice if, let's say, this study was done in the UK, because they're also a bit of a melting pot and their diet's not great there mm-hmm. either. But you have, you know, almost an outlier country like Norway, where these people are like super healthy. Yeah, we aspire to their diet. Right. It's very difficult to take yeah. that and, and apply it here. But I'm worried that people are not going to look at all of that information and they're just going to take the headline and say, you see, here's a study that says it's not necessary, <laughs> but I don't have to do right. it. And so, then, yeah. And then when you look at Asian studies, you know, first of all, you got different cooking methods and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Number two, the prevalence of smoking is much larger yeah. than another. Ah. So how does that all, you know, right. exactly. uh, come into play? So, so these studies need to and and that's some you know i think the takeaway here is and then also touching back to the article that i just read how you know obese people benefit from colorectal cancer screening we have an obesity epidemic here in this country yeah a lot of other places don't have that degree of obesity epidemic right and so you know we just need to be like very mindful and we need to stay the course here and not allow ourselves to be you said it right, Jack, when you said a distraction, uh, you know, allow ourselves not to be distracted um, by, you know, a study like this. All right. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So let's just jump into this week's topic, uh, the plant-based diet myth. Plant-based diets continue to grow in popularity for their many health benefits, including lower risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes. However, not all plant-based diets are equal, and some eating habits may cause more harm than good. Furthermore, increased awareness of the environmental impact of animal rearing, such as high levels of greenhouse gases, land degradation, and excessive water, have also motivated some people to adopt plant-based diets, which can be more environmentally friendly. However, there are some health risks associated with some plant-based diets, particularly if there is high consumption of junk veggie foods. So what are junk plant-based foods? Um, By definition, ultra-processed foods are food products that contain minimal whole foods, are high in calories, added sugar, salt, and fats. That's your your trinity right there, salt, sugar, fat. Delicious. (laughs) Offer a little nutritional value and have been processed with cheap industrial additives. Many plant-based products such as commercially produced breads, pastas, cakes, and cookies, carbonated beverages, pre-packed snacks, flavored dairy drinks, breakfast cereals, energy bars, instant sauces, soups, noodle pots, and desserts. That's a lot of foods that kids eat. Mamma mia. (laughs) What did you say, Lou? There There goes goes your life. life. That was a nice show. Yeah, the rule of of thumb, though, is if you can't pronounce it, you should not eat it, right? Like that's, like if you see an ingredient on there, 
And also don't forget what I brought up several months ago about sugar intake, right? Sugar intake for the day for women is 24 grams of sugar. For men, I think it's like 36 or something like that. So if you have one carbonated beverage, that's like 25 uh, grams, you're done. That's it for the day. Wow. A lot of wow. people have many of those in the day. Yeah. So, My kids always going for those, um, those like Gatorade type beverages, you know, that's really they're... sugar. And the problem is, is twofold is that one, the body doesn't know what to do with all of that extra sugar. And also your liver has to process all of this yeah. huge strain on your liver. That's why you're starting to see people with non-alcoholic uh, fatty liver. liver. Yeah, yeah. Because of all of the ultra-processed foods. And here's where it gets more interesting. Your body creates, you know, like, you know how like breast cancer and gastric cancers are on the rise and stuff like yes. that. Like your liver is designed to get rid of those toxins so that they don't stay and poison your body. But if you continue to put it in time and time and time and time again, your, your liver is going to be hard at work getting rid of the stuff you put in, but it's not going to be able to deal with the stuff like the excess estrogen and the extra, extra, you know, oh. and that's where you have the high rates of breast cancer because oh. you have this extra estrogen that's circulating that usually your liver flushes all that extra stuff right out. But if, if it's busy fighting the fight with all the sugar and processed stuff you're putting in, it's going to prioritize that stuff over the stuff that's in your body. Are you saying all those estrogen, uh, all those like endocrine disruptors can't get flushed at all and they're just like floating around in there? They're floating in there and sitting around because your body is busy getting rid of the junk. Wow. And so the deodorants and the creams and all that other stuff, it can't even get to that stuff. And I'm, I'm not even, and, and that's on top of the, the uh, extra estrogen that we have from our low birth rates, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, having children at later stages and all of that other stuff, the, the naturally occurring extra estrogen. So your body is fighting on three fronts. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted thinking about it. No, and think about your poor liver. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know if people like know the origins of Gatorade, but it was originally for high performance athletes well, to rehydrate, well, right? It was originally, originally before that, it was for the Florida Gators. That's why it's called Gatorade. Ah. They were a football team in Florida. Now, what happened is it's hot down there. Mm-hmm. And they're playing football, and dehydration was a problem. Oh. So Gatorade, the original Gatorade, which was Gatorade, mm-hmm. um, was a concoction they came up with that gave them back their salts and their sugar. Their electrolytes. Things, mm-hmm. things that have come out of your body because you're playing football, you just sweat. You're sweating. Oh. Of sweat. So that so your electrolytes, you. your glycogen, and all of that stuff, all that your stuff. muscles, some. all your glucose, yeah. all your stuff comes right back to you, and you can continue to perform. Right. It's not meant to be. Oh, let me take some Gatorade. You know, it's, it's not the be- It's not meant to be like. Mm, I just these like stuff. it's a sports drink yes. for high performance athletes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it was. It, it's it, not meant it, for and like. They have become like the number one thing that kids go for now. Yeah. Yes. Not so even you, soda. I'm telling you, you they line up after school. Football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you just <laughs> finish playing football, all those electrolytes are in you. All that sugar is in you. So whatever you put into your body now becomes excess. What I'm <laughs> wow. Saying. So what's going on inside of you is a little different. And a lot of these foods. Well, it's being put to use right away is what it is in, yeah. in an athlete that just yeah. finished, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm going back to your original topic that, and I am, I am a, a big fan of some of this plant-based stuff beyond this, beyond that, or. That stuff <laughs> still hasn't officially been proven out. Well, We're going to see over a, time. I was a big fan of it because of the taste. Yes. Oh. Because of that like, heme and it has that meat. <laughs> what kind of stuff is in there? I haven't but Whole really, Foods won't even. Well, I haven't really sat down and figured that all out. And, and, and you know, I'm kind of worried. Like, what have <laughs> I done to myself? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the zero. thing, though, is like people are thinking like, you know, well, I'm doing this great thing. Um, you know, I'm having this plant-based diet. Here's the thing. If you're not actually eating fruits and vegetables, you cannot call yourself a vegetarian. Just avoiding protein, like avoiding animal products does yeah, not. Yeah, because you could just eat French fries all yeah, exactly. day. French fries is, 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 potatoes are a vegetable. Does that make you a vegetarian? No, it doesn't. I know uh, of people who don't eat meat and call themselves vegetarian. And they're in that poor muscle tone, um, terrible skin, sallow complexion, low energy because they're not actually eating real plants. So this whole, like, we have to be careful when we talk about plant-based. Plant-based should be based on actual plants. Green stuff, blue stuff, purple stuff. You know, the deeper the colors and the crunchier they are, the better. And I'm not oh, talking about yeah, because all that ultra processed has no fiber because it's so far away. And from... then what they do is they put fiber in it. So instead of instead of oh my like, hey, gosh, you can get all of this from this natural. Like if you think about the fact that you can get a meal from a fast food place and it's actually cheaper than getting a, a salad. Yeah, that's, that's freaky scary. This country has has their priorities up their butt because they subsidize yes. these ultra processed food places a salad should be way cheaper than a burger do you, do you right. see what i'm saying like yes we have our yes. priorities wrong in this country i pay a minimum of ten dollars for a salad i can walk into a mcdonald's and get a meal for like six dollars how's that oh how yes that? sure absolutely you know, we can I'm get a, a biggie person, bag five dollars exactly and if i'm yep. a poor person and i'm doing the math i can keep four dollars and fill my belly yes I'm saying like yes and you can do it fast exactly you can fill your belly and it's freakishly delicious because it's all been shushed up and And processed you you feel full afterwards you feel like you had you know and and it's a it's a fallacy (sighs) ultra processed foods offer convenience continue to replace minimally processed whole foods and now account for more than half of the daily intake of calories for many individuals in middle and high income countries. While a healthy and balanced plant-based diet is diverse, the frequent consumption of plant-based ultra processed foods is associated with negative health outcomes. For instance, in a 2019 cohort study that followed 105,000 adults over a five-year period, the period, the researchers observed that even a 10% increase in the consumption of ultra-processed foods was associated with a higher risk of heart disease and stroke. Yikes. This small increase, I know, right? In ultra-processed foods is also associated with a higher risk of developing some cancers, type 2 diabetes, and increased exposure to harmful chemicals from food packages. So that, you know, so the plastic and, you know, that whole estrogen thing that's... Ah, where the where the the plastic the endocrine disruptors and the exactly. chemicals oh in addition calorie intake is reportedly higher in plant-based diets that are rich in ultra processed foods which may lead to weight gain and a greater potential for developing obesity now wait 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 plant-based diets are rich in ultra pro- oh because that contributes to the so the because the ultra processed makes it higher calorie. Okay. Exactly. Because of the way they're, they're preparing it with the cheap ingredients. Okay. Yeah. Because so, if you ate a salad, like just like right, that's vegetables, plant. that's so actual they, they, plant. So they, right. So they need to move away from this term plant-based because it's not plant-based. Like what they're talking, energy bar is grain-based. Breakfast cereal is grain based, Ah. you know, carbonated beverages, that's sugar based. There's no, you know, that's, that's not plant based at all. Like we have to move away from this, this term because it's misleading and it's incorrect. It's false advertising. To compound the negative health risks associated with diets rich in ultra processed foods, vegetarian and vegan diets can exclude food groups making nutrient deficiencies more common. Do you, you know that term, um, uh, FISO, fat inside, skinny outside? Oh, skinny fat. Yes, it's called FISO. FISO. Fat inside, fat inside skinny outside. 
I was, uh, I've been FISO at points in my life. Yes. Yeah. Where, you know, where these people, they, they, on the outside, they look thin, but inside they have all kinds of health problems because, yes. because they're eating a, a nutrient poor. Yes. Diet. Overall, some studies have shown that vegetarians and vegans have lower levels of nutrients like iron, vitamin B12, calcium, vitamin D, and omega-3 fatty acids. Furthermore, a 2022 study showed that vegetarian women have an increased risk and occurrence of hip fractures compared to women who occasionally consume meat. It is possible that these adverse outcomes are linked to the omission of iron and B12 rich meats mm -hmm. and calcium rich animal sources in vegetarian and vegan diets. These problems may be compounded by individuals not replacing those nutrient sources with fruits, vegetables, nuts, and pulses, and eating ultra-processed foods instead. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Let me say this again. You cannot call yourself a vegetarian if you don't actually eat vegetables. Okay? <laughs> this is a misnomer. <laughs> I mean, and you need to stop. You don't actually, it's like, it's like calling yourself and you don't actually dine at the Y. <laughs> you know, it's all it's all good and you know, it's all the idea is nice, but if you don't dine at the Y, guess what? You're oh, you're just in theory. Yeah, you're just in theory. You're a vegetarian. Not in clinical you're, practice. Exactly. You are not an actual practicing vegetarian. Okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know how else to say it. You've got to eat. Actual you fruit. must dine at the Y. <laughs> <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying, right? Like yes. You, yes. you can't half step it and, and say, well, I don't eat meat, so I'm a You can't no, be a poser. Not. You're yeah. not a vet. Well, that's cruel. I wouldn't <laughs> but <laughs> you you're not a vegetarian if you don't actually eat you, if that's like saying you're a pescatarian and you don't eat fish. Like you have to eat fish to to be called a pescatarian. All right. You 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 can't fake the funk here. Like you've got to <laughs> eat some 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 greens. Period. You're out of roll. You should listen to your body. I mean, as you as we get older, meat becomes more difficult to digest. So, you know, people start excluding it more from their diets. You know, it tends to sit there in your stomach for a long time. It's not as comfortable. Certain meats. Certain meats, uh, but but in general, if you've got high quality meats, and I'm not saying mm -hmm. eat meat, I'm just saying that if you're going to be calling but, yourself but vegetarian, general, like for just example, avoiding less, meat doesn't make less. You, um, you know, you you become more lactose intolerant and all that, but mm -hmm. that's as you get older. You know, starting it before that sometimes has health risks, as you correctly pointed out, or the article cor correctly pointed out that. You know, long term, there seem to be more hip fractures and stuff like yeah. that. You, you've got to look at your health from 1 to 80 or 1 to 90 or whatever it is that, you know. Well, one-year-olds like, don't look at their health, but well, I know what you but mean. But health has to be looked at between 1 to 90 or, you know, for what your life expectancy should be. So what's right for a 60 and 70 and 80-year-old should not really, is not really right for a person that's growing, that's 10, that's 14, that's 15, that's in their reproductive years, people have different needs, different nutritional needs during different stages in their life. So to say that I'm going to be a vegan all my life and never eat meat, you may be missing out on some important stuff. Now, there's not enough research out there to say what and what would be what would happen to your body, but we're starting to see you know, little uh, tidbits like more hip fractures, more this, more that. Also, being a vegan or being this does not does not say that, oh, now I'm immune from everything. For example, I had a friend who used to vegan shame me. Uh, oh. He was an oh, they're ultra. good for that. They're all fun with that. Ultra. I mean, he was. Yeah, because a lot of them, they have like conscientious objection to, to, to you know, consuming oh my animal, animal <laughs> products. Uh, and that's fine, it. but then you know, Did I at least to make it a nutritious. But he was yeah, exactly. a smoker. I mean, he. Uh, I used to say, you know, uh, you're uh, doing this for your health, but, and then you know, unfortunately, he's fine now, but he wound up with having throat cancer. Oh my god! And, uh. and at the end of the day, 
just because you're a vegan doesn't protect you from from yeah, all these maladies. It doesn't make you or, immune. Or to... before we saw in COVID, oh, I eat my um, acuberry or whatever. Acai berry. Yeah, acai berry. I'm, I'm immune. Which are, by the no, way, no, you're not immune. And by the way, acai berries are nightshades. Oh, they are. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so you know what? You can and and things have their values and their properties and their good stuff, but it doesn't exempt you from living unhealthy in other ways. Just because you did X doesn't mean that you can do Y and Z and get away with it. Um, also, the whole point of eating, you have to look at an age appropriate situation appropriate diet yeah that's true that's true that but makes you, sense. you have people again you have people who ha- or, or who conscientiously object to like the people of pia like you they don't want leather right they don't want to do for, it uh, for other reasons right and so their vegetarianism comes from a place of doing no harm to other sentient um beings, beings. yeah but that's okay i'm not talking about that though you're saying, listen, you have to eat nutritious foods. We all need to, period. Whether you're a vegetarian or a devout meat eater, the body has very specific nutritional needs. And plants, you know, a mixture of plants and proteins is what's going to do it for you. But barring, not in barring, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the meat part of the program, you have to find it in nature from fruits and vegetables and nuts and you know and non-meat sources and, and stuff like that and closer and, to its original form and as possible stuff like that exactly if you do that then you want to then you know then i have no i have no gripe with you you know except when you're trying to shove it down other people <laughs> and also i would caution people with autoimmune disease Depending on what autoimmune disease you have, I would caution people with autoimmune disease against um, a 100% plant-based diet. Now, remember, ah. Steve Steve Jobs was a devout vegetarian. And what did he die of? He had pancreatic cancer. He had oh, yeah. gastric and then he And then also he avoided treatments, that. too. It was complicated. Yeah. Right. But the fact that he was a devout vegetarian and he still developed. It didn't save him. Yes. Right. So and you know you he know, ate the organic stuff because he can afford it. We hope. <laughs> we hope anyway. <laughs> but you know, and I'm not laughing at his death. I'm just, I'm just saying that. I'm just laughing at what what Lou said. But you know, I'm saying that. You know, uh, there's also there's almost this orthodoxy, uh, in terms of like this this whole vegetarian lifestyle and stuff like that. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. I think whatever works for you, I believe in bioindividuality. I think if it's working for you and your nutrient stores uh, and your hair is glossy and your skin is pumping and, and you, know, <laughs> like you, you gotta, you know, your, your weight is intact and you got good muscle tone. I say more power to my hats off, but if you still have health problems and you're eating what you call a plant-based diet, I think you should look very closely at what you're eating and maybe consider that might not be for you. That's all. That's all. All right. So um, nutritionally balanced and well-planned plant-based diets more closely adhere to the U.S. dietary um, recommendations and improve overall diet quality based on the health healthy eating index. This occurs thanks to the increased intake of fruits, non-starchy vegetables, whole grains, low-fat dairy, eggs, plant proteins, seafood. Such diets are also lower in salt, sugar, fats, and calories. Therefore, not all plant-based diets are associated with negative health risks. But it is important to note that following a healthy overall eating pattern is essential for managing risks of heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. So I just want to lay that out. I hope I've made a case. You guys, I think you made a pretty good case. You you guys have anything that you want to add to that, Lou? You you had a mouthful say. You know what? What you said made made a lot of sense about you know life cycle and and different needs at different. You know what is it? What percentage of people in this world isn't it like seventy something percent of people are lactose intolerant? That's a big number. It's a huge number. But but lactose intolerance at what age? 
No, I don't. Because no, you can sucks. develop it. No, That's true. Yeah. Your, your body just because when you're because when you're a kid, you needs you're you're gonna tolerate milk because your body has these needs and you're drawing it in from whatever sources. But then as you get older and you don't have that need as much, you know, for any form of calcium, your body becomes a little more selective in terms of what uh, sources of calcium is, is it's willing to accept. And that's where you start seeing a lot of the lactose intolerance. Your body just doesn't need it anymore. Yeah. It's like now that I'm older, I, I used to be three meals a day and I would be hungry if I missed one. Uh, now it's two meals a day, maybe one. Uh, you wow. know, breakfast, lunch, no day. And I will not be hungry during dinner time. Or Yeah, I we're actually a culture that overeats. dinner. We really uh, are. And, I'm sure. not, and I just forget about lunch or, or no breakfast and just have lunch. Can you comfortably do no dinner? I can do no dinner if I do breakfast, lunch. Ah. And what time is dinner? Dinner is when Literally, I get angry. But you can skip you know, dinner I'm, and then go to bed. And you, that's, that's pretty healthy. <laughs> Let me tell you. But I'll be watching the I Yankees can't tell you how many times I've spoken to him at night. And he's like gnashing on something at nine. Okay, so like, does that qualify? Like, if you're snacking, you know what I'm saying? If your last meal was dinner and there's no snacking effort, and if you like skip dinner, but you had breakfast and lunch, and then you skip dinner and then you go to bed, that's pretty healthy. There's a saying that you should eat like a king for breakfast, a prince for lunch, and a pauper for yes, dinner. yes. Dinner should be like your smallest meal of the day, and it should be as early as possible. That's a no lot of portions of the world are like that. Yeah. No later, your, your, your meal should finish, not start, finish no later than 7 p.m. Okay. And the reason for that is because it's going to disrupt your circadian rhythm. So you have a lot of people who have sleep issues, right? And this yeah. is part of the reason why having meals late. That food is not, it's that not mobilized. That is the one that gives you the diabetes faster it's, than exactly. and obesity faster than because anything else. Because that food is not mobilized. Your body does not need it and put it to use in your muscles and your mind and all of that other stuff. So it just gets converted to fat and you have poor digestion and all this other stuff. Because That's really just, how I put on all my weight when I put it on. It was that. It was yeah. that late night eating. Oh my gosh. And so like the best time to eat is like, like around noontime, like that 10 to two when the sun is really high. Like that's the best time. If you want to like go off on food and have whatever. Go off early. Go and then off have early because your time. body's exact, because your body's going to put it to use. But if you do it at night and also your body responds to sugar differently at night than in the day uh, you mobilize that sugar in the day at night it's just like pack it away and turn it into fat that's true a lot of countries the big meal of the day is the noon meal yes yeah that's the one that your body mobilizes and puts to use anything else is just going to be converted to fat it has no use for it it can't because the shop is closed or supposed to be closed and it's not in the digesting business I got to say know. that night eating was the hardest cycle I ever had to break. How did you break it? Uh, I started it? with the intermittent fasting and then okay. I started with the, that helped me because, but then there was like the problem of like, okay, well, I just like would go off. I'd be really good during the day then go off at night. That, that took me a while. Once I started to break it like a couple times, I was able to reduce cravings. Cause you know, I would get a craving and be hangry at nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock, like on the dot, like that would just, Man. yeah, I was walking downstairs, like out of my bedroom, my pajamas, like a zombie. And I just like go in the kitchen and eat uh, while standing up. It was everything raw with it. <laughs> oh my God. Well, go to Urban Health Weekly for the links to these articles. This is really interesting. I think you know, you'd be interested to read all of this. Remember, you only have one life and one body. You've got to do your best to make it count so your years are full of life and full of health. Information equals transformation, people. So small steps each day and you'll see a difference. I am sure of it. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. You guys are wonderful. Uh, I missed you guys terribly. I we have you. to do this again next week, please. All right, guys. <laughs> it was totally my fault, but still. <laughs> this really more for me than for you guys but um i'll see you next week see you next week <laughs> all right bye bye thanks for listening to urban health weekly today 
I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.